Hi, my name is David, and I have the privilege of serving as the pastor of 6-8 Church in Vancouver, Washington. The following is a message from our Sunday morning gathering that we hope encourages and inspires you in your journey to be more like Christ. For more information, visit 6-8-Church.com. That's the number 6 and the number 8, church.com. Hebrews 12 is where we're going to wrap up our, our series. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 4 is where we're going to finish. Don't worry, I don't have a real long sermon today. <laughs> yeah, right. Prove it. Prove it. Um, <laughs> so Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 4, this will be our only text for the morning. And it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, referencing Hebrews chapter 11, the witnesses, those who are testaments in their lives of faith, Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. It's real easy to to let, you know, all of the, like we talked about, all the different ropes, all the different things that we get, get trapped up in to just start to weigh and weigh and weigh us down until we're no longer able to move. And he says, let us throw off everything. Don't throw off your faith. Don't cast off your faith. Don't cut the rope for your faith. Throw off everything else that hinders you from the pursuit of that faith and the sin that so easily entangles. So if there's anything in us, anything in the way we're living our lives, the way we have pursued Jesus Christ to this point, that's what needs to go, not Jesus. Don't cut off the most important thing. Cut off everything else. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Perseverance is such a strong teaching in the New Testament, and and we've talked a lot about it, I think, over the years, but it still needs to be reiterated. It's, It's those who persevere who receive the prize. It's those who who stay in the race, who stay on the journey, who keep their eyes fixed on Jesus, who follow the path that Jesus marked out for us and follow the trail that he blazed for us. It's, It's keeping our eyes on Jesus, and those who keep their eyes on Jesus are the ones who receive the prize of eternal life and the presence of God. And it's not something we have to figure out for ourselves. It's not a trail we have to blaze for ourselves. It's not something we have to try to understand for ourselves. All we do is follow the trail blazer, Jesus himself. All we do is follow the trail he's already marked out for us. And, and it's a blessing when we think about it that it's a, it's a narrow trail. It's a narrow path. 
It's not, it's not a path that's wide with lots of different options where, where you can go this way or that way and hopefully at the end you arrive at the same spot. It's a narrow path that all we have to do is follow the footsteps of Jesus where he's already gone before us and we will arrive at the same destination safe in the rest of God's harbor. So let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. When things come to try to steal our attention and try to to draw our focus away from Jesus, keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. You know, like horses, we we, uh, watch the the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and you see horses in, in the parade and what do they have on? They've got blinders on their eyes so that all they see is what's in front of them, not getting distracted by what's going on, or spooked. When they get spooked, bad things happen. When we allow ourselves to be distracted by all the things off on the side, as opposed to where we've got our eyes fixed on Jesus, bad things happen. We can easily get spooked. We can easily get off the path. But we're supposed to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, keep our focus on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, the one who carved out the trail and the one who also perfected or completed and in us completes our faith. He gives us what we need for faith. He gives us what we need for life and godliness. He gives us everything we need to be able to follow him. He outfits us perfectly for the voyage so that we can go and follow in his footsteps. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And then this phrase that we've talked about several times, but I just love it and we can't not talk about it. We didn't really cover these verses when we covered chapter 12. We talked about something else. So had to come back and hit them for some of these verses. It says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. One of the reasons I think God led us to Hebrews is because it's becoming more challenging to be a Christian in our modern era. There's a lot of skepticism towards Christianity. We live in what what people call a post-Christian society, and one study has said that that it appears to be around the world more difficult to follow Christ in a post-Christian society than in a non-Christian society. That it's easier to follow Christ in maybe Pakistan or Afghanistan, which are non-Christian cultures, than it might be to follow Christ in a post-Christian culture. Largely because there's a lot of animosity towards Christianity because we're post-Christian, we're, we're, we're past it. We have evolved beyond Christianity, so, so we're better than that now as a culture. So it can be more difficult to follow Christ in a post-Christian society. And I think it would be easy for us, in, in the, as we've seen so, so many already do, that as it becomes more difficult, the cost for following starts to pale in comparison to the, to the ease of quitting the race. But Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. Yes, he had to go through the cross, but but the joy set before him was what got him through the cross. 
And this is one of the reasons we try to talk about the day that all the more, as you see the day approaching, we're supposed to be meeting together, encouraging one another in our faith on, on a more regular basis as the day approaches, because that's the joy that's set before us. Jesus, for the joy set before him, he saw what his work was going to accomplish on the cross, and, and he knew that his death on the cross would set us free, it would be our ransom to set us free from the bondage of sin and death. It would give us the option of being filled with the Holy Spirit and receiving the resurrection spirit of Christ, empowering us to live out this life, giving us everything we need for the journey. He knew he could see what was going to happen when he ascended and sat back down at the right hand of the Father. Father, and he interceded on our behalf. He could see all of that because he knew the story. And so when he looked at the cross, he did not look at the cross for what it was going to cost him to go through the cross. He went through the cross because he knew what it would cost if he didn't. But what's the cost for us if we don't, for the joy set before us, keep our eyes fixed on Jesus? It says, fix our eyes on Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Follow his way. Follow his example. Do what Jesus did in following and carving out the path. And it says, consider him. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. Remember, he's writing to people who are enduring opposition from sinners people who, who are starting to endure some kind of cultural oppression, if not actual persecution from sinners. It was becoming harder and harder to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It was becoming less and less popular. And he says, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Think about Jesus who endured the kind of opposition from sinners that caused him to, before he endured it, pray and struggle to the point of shedding blood. That, that he, the night before he would be crucified, went into the garden and he prayed in his struggle and his, his desire to, to be obedient and yet at the same time to resist what he was going to endure led him to strain and stress so much that he was sweating drops of blood. And the author here says, in your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. In other words, you've got more fight. You've got more fight left in you, right? Remember how he talked about how we are not those who shrink back and, and, and those who shrink back, I don't know if you read this in the devotional, but those who, who shrink back are, are those when, when, when the winds are getting too strong and, and, and when it feels like the ship is, just can't handle the strain of the waves and the wind and the pressure against it, the, those who shrink back are those who, who fold the sails back in. They say, I just, it's too much to bear, it's too much to handle, and so, so we're, gonna, we're, just gonna, we're not going to take on so much wind, we're not going to let this propel us forward. But, but I think the picture that the author is, is giving us is that actually, what we might face as Christians in our society should be wind in our sails to following Jesus. 
That, that, that as we are, are being blown against, if we are good at following Jesus, Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. So we should be able to, for the joy set before us, endure our cross. Whoever comes after me must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. We have a cross to carry, and don't know what you know about crosses, but it doesn't always look like the carrying of the cross is a fun activity. When I was in high school, um, we, there were a couple of us that would, on, we trick-or-treated on Sunday afternoons instead of in the nighttime like they do out here in the Northwest. But the Sunday before Halloween was when the communities would do their trick-or-treating. And as I became, uh, I, was kind of, I was kind of a zealot in high school, really passionate about people coming to Christ. And so there were a couple of us that we would get the cross from the church. And as there were hundreds of kids walking around the neighborhoods, we would carry the cross around just to talk to people about Jesus and share the gospel. And uh, so I know from personal experience that when you carry a cross, it's not a very comfortable thing to do. But Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. Are we, are we willing to endure a little bit of shame and scorn and, and, and mockery so that we can carry the cross to someone who might need Jesus? I'm not saying we actually literally carry a cross down Hazeldale Avenue, but if that's you know, something God calls you to do, then do it. But in our struggle against sin, I don't think we've resisted to the point of shedding our own blood. And I think the picture the author is trying to create here is, is something a little bit bigger than what we tend to think. Because we tend to think that following Jesus is this activity we do in isolation. We do it on our own strength. We do it in our own ability. We do it in our own power. But that's not what the author really says here. He starts off Hebrews chapter 12 not with, therefore, since you are this brave lone soldier out there fighting this battle by yourself, persevere in the race marked out for you. He actually, he starts with an audience. I mean, could it, could it be that therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, maybe the picture isn't just those who are testifying to their faith, but they are those who are, who are in the stands cheering us on in our journey for the faith. And maybe, maybe we're not supposed to just do this thing on our own and try to fight in our own strength to follow Jesus Christ, but like Russ was talking about earlier, we're, we're actually... We are called to community, and it's through the community that God shapes us, that God starts to cut out those things that are holding us back, that it's through the community that, that we're actually going to throw off these things that hinder us. We're going to throw off the things that are holding us back. 
maybe, maybe a part of the problem is that our picture of following Christ is all wrong, that, it, that we think it's all something I do by myself, and, and that's not really the picture we see anywhere in the New Testament. Yes, you have to decide for yourself that you're following Jesus Christ, but when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are brought into a family, and when you're in a family, you don't do things all on your own. Everybody has a part to play. Everyone plays their part. We all work together in following Jesus Christ, and, and when you are on a team, when you are part of a family that are all on this journey, then instead of fighting against the flow all by yourself, you have a bunch of people who, when you are fighting together, the flow really starts to lose its power. And that's what we're called to here at 6 Eight Church. We're not called to lone wolf journeys to follow Jesus and be able to brag about how when we got to heaven we did it all in our own power and our own strength. We're part of a team. In 1992, the Summer Olympic Games were held in Barcelona, Spain. One of the runners in the 400-meter race was an English athlete named Derek Redmond. I have a little video that I'd like us to watch. He trained for years to compete in the Olympics, but while sprinting in a qualifying heat, he suddenly pulled a hamstring, crumbled to the track in pain. Determined to go on, Derek struggled to his feet. He was hobbling toward the finish line when his father scaled the retaining wall, jumped onto the track. Before anyone could stop him, Jim Redmond reached his son. The young runner leaned on his father's shoulder as he staggered to complete the race. And the entire crowd stopped, stood, cheered the two men on when they crossed the finish line. It was as if the runner his father and the witnesses had finished the race together. We're not running a race by ourselves. This, this is not this is not a solo journey where we tried to win by ourselves. Even when you're running any kind of race, you aren't preparing for that race by yourself. You're preparing with a team. You're preparing with coaches. You're preparing with people that are supporting you. And it's not that we finish the race first in our own strength that counts. It's that we cross the finish line. And it's that... It's not that we finish in our own strength, but that we actually come to rest on our Father's strength who can get us across. Because our Father got the Son across His finish line. Uh, our Father defeated the most, the most destructive force that could ever come against a human being when Jesus Christ defeated death. 
And if the worst thing that we can face is the death that Jesus faced, then, then we have nothing to fear because Jesus conquered it. And our struggle against sin, we have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. And in the 1960s, there was another runner who ran the marathon, and, and he fell, and he, he greatly injured his leg, cut a gash in his thigh. And when he cut that gash, he greatly reduced his time. And all of the other marathon runners, I think it was the marathon, they, they had all finished the race. And an hour later, he came running into the stadium, and, and he ran around, he ran, he actually came across the finish line, and when he was asked later about why he didn't just quit. The Olympics were in Mexico City, and he said, my country didn't send me to Mexico City to start the race. My country sent me to finish it. How determined are we to finish the race? Imagine yourself running the race that Jesus has already marked out for us. Maybe you're crumpled up with pain and the Father himself comes and helps you start moving towards the finish line. And as you start to move towards that finish line, now you find yourself surrounded with a great cloud of witnesses standing to their feet. Hey, we know it's not easy. We've been there. We've done that. You know, you can imagine Abraham himself standing there. I was, I was there. I got the promise. I got the promise, and the promise was that I was going to have descendants as numerous as the stars. And I remember, I remember when the father told me to sacrifice my only son, Isaac, through whom the promise would be fulfilled. I did it. It wasn't easy, but I did it. And look what happened. Look what happened. Imagine your Moses standing there in the audience, and he's cheering for you. And, and, and he says, I didn't, I, I didn't want to go at all. I spent a lot of time resisting God. I didn't want to speak. I resisted God using me as his mouthpiece. And, and yet I, I did it. And, and God showed up. God showed up and, and God did some amazing things and yet I didn't even get to see the full fulfillment of the promise. I had to see it from a mountain across a valley and yet God eventually led the people into the promised land. So don't give up now. You haven't seen it yet. Don't, don't give up because, because there's so much more to come. The day is fast approaching. The day is drawing near and you don't want to be one who crumples down on the track and gives up because it was too hard to finish the race. Don't try to do it on your own strength. Let the Father come and pick you up and just thousands and millions and millions of witnesses in the, in the stands cheering us on. Finish the race. Finish the race. Get up. Don't lose heart. Don't grow weary. Finish the race. Finish it. But we finished the race. <laughs> run the race, run the straight race through God's good grace. Lift up thine eyes and seek his face. Life with its way before us lies. Christ is the path. And Christ is the prize.
Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would encourage our souls, fill our souls to overflowing with the hope that endures, hope that is anchored in the harbor, hope that is secured by the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, hope that does not fade based on our circumstances, based on what is surrounding us, but I pray, Father, that you would encourage our hearts to the deepest level of who we are to finish the race. To keep going no matter what the cost, no matter how difficult, no matter who comes against us, that we will be those who finish the race. We are not those who shrink back. We, we lean into the wind. We let the wind propel us further into the harbor that we know that it will, that it will be through the work of Christ that gets us in. Father, help us to be resilient disciples who, who no matter how difficult things get around us, we are determined by the power of the Spirit, the resurrection Spirit, alive and active and at work in us, the, the love of the Father welcoming us as Father welcomes His child. And in the presence of witnesses who have gone before us, we will finish this race. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.